It's Friday night and you're at the video store. The place is a mob scene. People clutching tapes in both hands, bumping into other customers as they hurry to the checkout counter. Like a magnet, you're drawn to the horror section. Surrounded by all the beautiful cover art, you begin to panic. So many titles, so little time, and the store is about to close. Suddenly, two figures emerge from the shadows. Their name tags announce Mikey and Maddie. They will guide you on this journey, for they are the purveyors of truth and good taste. Your video store hosts to take you on a fun ride through all the best in horror. So it's time to light the candles, and as the flint creates a spark, remember, you're never really alone in the dark. Good evening. This is cursed. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. Get the villain, Tony. Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at. Whatever you Hello, everybody. You are listening to the Alone in the Dark podcast. It's your buddy, Mikey, and I am joined with Maddie. Here we are, Matt. We're back. What is up, Mike? We are back and. Speaking of back, Mike, <laughs> it's very uh, apropos as to what we're going to be talking about this evening. Right. We're, we're back from the dead because uh, we didn't have an episode last month. <laughs> we did not. It was a crazy month, but we are back from the dead. It is March, and we are excited to be here for you uh, talking about some, uh, some back from the dead themed films, which uh, there's going to be some interesting ones in there, right, Matt? Oh, for sure. We're, we're they, you know, we're some definitely... Uh, Ones that we haven't talked about that are pretty well known for sure. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. That we've been, you know, look, we've kind of been chomping at the bit to get to and just haven't yet. And mm-hmm. uh, now we've found the topic to get to it. Obviously, Mike, we, you know, right up front, we could have flat out done a zombie, right? We could have right. done like a zombie, you know, whatever, uh, our recommendations for that, mm-hmm. for our video, our video store segment here. However, I don't know, it's just it was just too easy and frankly... I know how you feel too. That I'm just, I am so burnt out on zombie films still to this day. I am as well. So, you know, we thought that some of our picks are a little outside the box, right? We, uh, we you know, when we were grabbing our VHS covers to put on the shelf there, we, uh, we thought, hey, this one might be good to slip, slip over here. This yeah. might be something that people wouldn't expect, right? Yeah, for sure. So for those of you that are just joining us for uh, the first, if this is your first listen to the Little Dark Podcast, hi, I'm Matt, and this is my buddy Mike. Yeah, and, welcome. Uh, we are your two kind of your video store um, hosts, if you will, here. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, what we do is, on this kind of themed episode, we're, so we're doing back from the dead films. So Mike is going to pick five, and I'm going to pick five, and those will be our recommendations. We only have room for five on a shelf, and then um, and each of us will give five, and we'll kind of alternate and do it in that kind of uh, format. Yep, and it's a, it's a good time. So before we get started, Matt, anything that you've been watching? Because since we haven't been around for a month, anything you've purchased or you're watching on TV or streaming yeah, anything purchased no i mean listen i i gotta tell you man you if you guys aren't on tubi yet that free streaming service on tubi they've got they have so many great things on there i mean yeah. I'm, I'm catching up with a lot of cool stuff actually on there 
Yeah, you're always telling me of some great stuff that you're like, Mike, it's on Tubi. You know, you're just throwing throwing stuff at me, which is which oh, is I'm awesome. going to be mentioning stuff tonight this evening that that I definitely and that that any any of our listeners now listening to this can just go on to Tubi and check out for sure. No, it seems like a great and you know every month I think it it changes right. There's like different movies that they swap yep. in and out just like any streaming service. So absolutely, it's definitely worth checking out, which uh, which is great. Yeah, so I mean, I, I was on there. I was checking out some uh, some of our tonight's picks. Actually, were a lot of them uh, actually were on there at some point. Uh, I was watching a movie called Sweet Sixteen, if, um, which is going to pop up on a list down the road. But it's wow. a really good film from 1983. Never heard of it, Matt. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. So, um, like I said, there's some undiscovered little gems waiting to be uh, waiting to be discovered. There, so, <laughs> get your asses on Tubi now. There you go, including you, Mike. Yeah, I well, I've been on there. I've been on there. I've watched a few things. You've you know, based on your recommendations. So cool. Yeah. Very cool, bro. So, uh, what have you been what have you been watching? Well, Matt, I've sort of you know this, but I've been on. This is a show that you've been telling me to watch for for years. And well, maybe about like about twenty years, maybe. Probably, yeah. And I just never got into it. I tried, I never did. But now I'm addicted to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> uh oh, uh, it's better late than never, Matt, because uh, I'm deep. I think I'm almost done with season two. Uh, I might be in season three actually. But I've always loved the movie. You know, we've talked about the movie on here before. Uh, yes. It's, an, it's a, such a fun movie. But like I said, I never really got into the uh, got into the series. But you know, my love of all the '90s stuff. You know what I mean? It just like it just clicked, man. It's like Dawson's Creek with vampires. You know what I mean? It's just uh, so it's, good. It is. It's amazing. By the way, it, it was very, very, very close to making my list uh, for the Back from the Dead films tonight. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that was very close. That's good. It was on the cusp of your list there. Um, but yeah, anyway, I love the show. It's great. I've uh, been really enjoying it's the that. Best. Yeah, it's so much fun. Other than that, I think, you know, I've, uh, it's like the screen movies are such like a, like a, just like a comfort film for me. And they're all on uh, HBO Max right now. Um, so I've just been like cycling through those when I, it's like that movie wow. I put on when I'm trying to fall asleep. Um, I just put in headphones and just pass out. So I've been just going like in order, like one, two, three, and then I'll go backwards, three, two, one. And, uh, it's just great. So I've just been watching a crap load of screen movies, which is, so you're not, you're not going to four, four is not in your conversation. Four, well, four right is not, well, maybe four is on HBO max, but that's a good question. I'm not sure. There's a reason why I'm not going to four. It might not be on there right now, but I think it is actually. So that's, I'll have to watch that tonight. But anyway, so scream and Buffy, uh, has been on my list. So that's good. But, uh, one thing I want to mention, Matt, before we get started is a couple things is our Patreon just, uh, we've been having a lot of fun on there Oh with, my God! Yeah. with some posts. We did a whole March, March thing with, uh, with Halloween three, right? Yes, we did. Yeah. You did an off the shelf where you read an excerpt from the Halloween three the, novelization. The, yep. By, yeah. uh, who's that by? It's a, it's a, uh, it's, like it's a, Jack Martin, but it, um, the author is uh, Dennis Etchison is the real author, yeah. Yeah, that was a great, great video segment, so thank, thank you for you. that. Yeah, um, and you did a fantastic um, on the record with your Halloween 3 vinyl, which is just absolutely gorgeous looking. Thank you. Yeah, that's only, uh, there's a couple out there. You know, there's different versions of that that soundtrack, but the one I have, I, I really love. It comes with a nice and which, poster. Uh, what company makes that one, Mike? That one is, oh shoot, you're putting me on the spot is here. Is that Waxwork or is that? Um, no, it's not Waxwork. It's oh. not Death Waltz? Yes, it's Death Waltz. Thank you. Okay. It's Death sure. Waltz. Um, but it's a great version if anybody can, you know, search it down, get it. But that was definitely a, a fun video segment to put together for our Patreon subscribers. And um, we have to thank some people here. For, for, we have some new Patreon subscribers. Uh, we have Keegan, uh, Elizabeth Oswegan, and Matt Pepler, who just joined us. 
after we did our Instagram trivia night, which was so much fun. Last week. Oh, that was the most fun. It was great. Yeah, and we've all had such a great response with that. I actually have to ship out our prizes this week. I didn't get to do that this weekend, so I promise I'll be doing that uh, tomorrow. And Excellent. then uh, we're planning on having another one. You know, we're going to try to do it at least once once a month, right? And just yeah, coming up in April, beginning of April, probably yeah. we'll get that going. Yep, it'll be super fun. Uh, so definitely check out Patreon and you know check us out on Instagram if you haven't already. Uh, you just search "Alone in the Dark" podcast, you will find us. So, Matt, are we ready to get this list started back from the dead? Yeah, let's dead. get these recommendations flowing, man. Let's do it. So my number five recommendation is from 2000, actually came out in the, on the festival circuit in 2017. Okay. But it, it came out in the theatrically uh, limited in America because it's a Scottish film um, in America in 2018, and that is Anna and the Apocalypse. Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. Young Anna was nestled, all snug in her bed, not knowing tomorrow she'd meet the undead. How would she survive? What this season would bring? Well, that's simple. She'd stab, she'd slash, and she'd sing. So where I watched this movie, first of all, um, if you have any kind of good cable and some, some stations, it's on Epix, E-P-I-X. It's a really mm. good station. Um, Epix, and then you watched, uh, I think the Hulu also has it, correct? Yeah, Hulu. If you have a Hulu subscription, it is on there as well. I watched it last night. Um, so, so tell us about this, Matt, because I'm, so I'm Mike, curious. To, this is kind of a, like I was watching this last night. And I was like, wow, Matt really picked this. Well, you know what, Mike? It's uh, you know, it's not for everyone. I right. I understand that, but but certainly, and I know what you're thinking because I, I basically am being a hypocrite here. I just said about how we're sick of zombie movies, and here we go. Yeah, and I know what you're thinking. <laughs> not another film about the zombie apocalypse, right? right? So it's called Anna and the Apocalypse. So it's right there in the title. Please God, not another one. But but wait, hold on a second, <laughs> right? This little Scottish gem, Mike. I mean. It's the most current film, I think, ever, first of all, ever to grace one of my lists. I mean, 2018, that's as that's new as I've, true. I think, I've ever been. Yeah, I think you're there. So I think that's pretty original. Uh, like I said, it was in the Festival Circuit in 17, came out here in 2018. Mike, the first five minutes, and I know you you do enjoy things that, the setups, like setups oh, are very yeah. important. Yes. So, you know, you have Anna and her friend John, and they're being driven to school by Anna's dad, and John accidentally mentions Anna's quote-unquote ticket. Like right. She has this ticket, right? She's and, going uh, abroad, right? To Australia. She's going abroad or to Australia. She's yep. taking, yeah, she's planning on, by the way, she's planning on taking a year off before she goes to uni. And that's right. university for all you non Scots and uh, people <laughs> that don't speak that language. And good old Anna, guess what? She hasn't told her dear old dad yet. And he's kind of pissed. And um, you find out mom is dead. She hasn't, she has, she's not around anymore. Yeah. Um, and then there also, by the way, there's a radio broadcast from the CDC. Uh, about the outbreak of a deadly virus. This is all within five minutes. I didn't spoil a thing for you. Right. This right. all happens right It in, happens right really front. quick. And I love how she, she like shuts it off and puts music on. You know what I mean? Yes, she does. She does. <laughs> She's like, oh, enough of this. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And her, her, so her life is somewhat in shambles. I mean, mom's dead. She, mm -hmm. you know, she slept with this class asshole, you know, try to cure her sadness and, you know, and her grief about her mom. You know, so what else, what else is there to do, Mike? You know, you got to sing, Mike. You sing about this shit, right? <laughs> this is a, a flat-out musical, Matty. Did I mention that this is a zombie <laughs> comedy musical? Because that's what this movie is. It's a hybrid, um, and it shouldn't work at all. Um, you know, the, but it's, I mean, 
I, I'm fl like I said, I am flat out fed up with zombie films. I'm dead serious. But Mike, this one has such charm, and it's it, to me it was irresistible. It was there's full on cafeteria numbers with teens perfectly choreographed. Yeah, you know, singing about how there's no such thing as a Hollywood ending, right? Which I thought, which I thought is really cool because they're in Scotland. And I just yeah. love how they they kind of Americanized that. Um, and there's a scene at a Christmas pageant. By the way, the apocalypse has basically taken grip on this Scottish town, and they and people show up at this Christmas um, festival, and basically there's zombies outside while this is yes. going on. They don't, they yep. have no idea. Yep. Um, she's and she's waiting for her boyfriend to come, and he hasn't shown up. And She's saying, I've warmed your milk and made your favorite snack, so come on over and unload your sack to about Santa. <laughs> it's just such that great That song lyric. is so funny. Oh, my God. But, Mike, did I mention that this film is friggin' hilarious? Because it really it, is. It is. There's some really funny moments, for sure. I mean, it disarms you in a way, because it seriously has its dramatic moments. But it's so cute, and it's charming as hell, And it, but, it, but it's not like after-school kind of special cheesy. Like, like, you come home from school and you watch those cheesy, you know, shows. Yeah. You know, it's dramatic and emotional, but it's not its not pretentious at all. It's so original. Like, it has an homage to all those great movies, right? You know, it's Shaun of the Dead. Like, we, we didn't mention up top, but certainly some of the ones we're not going to be talking about, like uh, Friday the 13th Part 6, great example of a Back from the Dead movie, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. And any of George Romero's trilogy, um, mm -hmm. especially Dawn and Night, the first two, yep. uh, Shaun of the Dead. And this, this, I guess you could say this movie is like Shaun, people would say, oh, it's Shaun of the Dead with, you know, with music. But right, like a teenage, It certainly has some yeah. of those, yeah, it has some of those touch tones to it. But I think this movie kind of can, can stand like really proudly against, you know, with, you know, shoulder to shoulder with those movies, Mike. It's got angst. Yeah. It's got teens, which I know you love. Right. And it's got angsty teens singing. <laughs> I mean, it's a great combination. And Mike, this is not high school musical. For those of you that are thinking it's, you know... There'd be no breaking free for Troy and Gabriella if they found themselves in this situation. Okay, <laughs> only certain death. All right, at least Anna, John, and Steph, the main characters here, they may not be Mickey Mouse Club material. Okay, but at least they know how to sing and kick ass. <laughs> it's you true. Know? It, you need these things in a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> the standout number for me, Mike, and I, I don't know how far. I don't know if you've seen the whole film or if you just saw um, certain pieces of it. But there's a song called "Turning My Life Around," and in it. Anna basically wakes up and it's oh, the morning this, where the yes. shit has already hit the... And behind her, she has her earbuds in and yes. so does John and they're both separately walking to school and the world is fucking exploding around. Oh my God, it is amazing. It's Isn't amazing. it unbelievable? Just to think how they orchestrated that too is just... Oh my it's, God. I mean, there's zombies feat. falling off roofs. Oh my God, it's great. People are splatting. There's blood going oh everywhere. You God. see like people like in doorways getting their like their 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 guts ripped out. It, it's like yes. insane. It's Cars insane. are crashing. And, and they're <laughs> singing this beautiful song and they're harmonizing with each other. I know. You know, I am miles away. And they're just singing this and they're skipping and hopping through the cemetery. Yeah. And they, they have like not a care in the world. Like it's a new world meanwhile the world has ended and they just haven't realized it yet yeah yeah and i just I, I i just have goosebumps thinking about it because i just think it was and even to hear you talk about it I, I don't know how much you really like this film or not but i could tell that you enjoyed you enjoyed the you know the the performances and how they constructed this scene and put it together it's just very creative wasn't it no it was like you know i don't mind a musical if there's a good story behind it and this movie really has a great story to it and characters that you can get into but that scene in particular matt the best part is i love when she's i think it's towards the beginning after she leaves her her, her, her pad, house and she goes her out the house door, yeah. and she's out the door there's like a car that like like rolls right behind her and yes. like crashes into the other car yeah and like you don't she doesn't even hear it she's just like it, it's yep. so close to her and she has no clue you know what she's I mean? she's singing then, yeah she's walking toward the, it's trapped 
the camera's tracking backward, and, and right, and you just see it's kind of a little bit of the Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead, that chaos, yeah, right, yeah, of that, absolutely. the crashing cars, and it's really well done. Yeah, it's great. I didn't Mike, get to the, finish it. I fell asleep, but I'm so. excited But you did to go see back. the bowling alley scene, though, right? Yes, I did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean this this is one of the most hilarious and nerve wracking and most fun I've ever had watching zombies in easily in more than a decade, probably almost two decades. Just that scene. I mean, it, it like I said. It's, there's music, there's horror, there's comedy, but it, it does it without winking at the audience. And like, it's right. not a parody. Like, it's really not a parody in any way. Mm -hmm. As yeah. much as it, it, you know, as much as the funny is in there and the zombies are in there, it really does, you know, have its heart on its sleeve. Yeah. Because, because it is honest and it is earnest, but, it, but it also is so genuine. Um, and I just can't believe that they don't compromise one iota of tone in this movie. You would think it just shouldn't work, but... I mean, it has all the heart in the world. Mike, it's a Christmas film, by the way. Yeah, that's right. It's around but Christmas But please time. don't wait for Christmas. Watch this movie right now. Anna and the Apocalypse. So, Mike, that was my number five. What is your number five recommendation, Michael? It's funny, Matt. My number five is also a newer movie. It's not as new and, and fresh and tidy as yours, but mine is from 2013, and it is the film Warm Bodies. Corpses do not think. They do not bleed. They are incapable of remorse. Nice watch. I don't want to be this way. I'm lonely. I'm lost. Wait, I'm literally lost. I've never been in this part of the airport before. I want to spend my life with a girl like you. Say something human. Nailed it. Dad, he saved my life. I don't understand, but he's changing and he's learning to be human again. Don't be creepy, don't be creepy. Oh, man. Shoot on sight. We're their food source. They are not becoming vegan. Keep you safe. Warm bodies. Be dead. It's too much. PD-13, February 1st. So this movie directed by Jonathan Levine, if you ever saw the movie 50-50 with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, yes. uh, where he's got, he has cancer, yes. um, it's the same director, which I, I really like that movie. I thought it was really well done. Me too. Um, but this is, uh, this is like, a, it's, here we go with zombies again, Matt. We said we weren't going to be talking about zombies. Well, you <laughs> we said front -loaded. it. Uh, yeah, we're front-loading it. It's a, a, like a zombie love story about uh, a zombie named R. Who, yes. And and he meets this girl, Julie, who's a human. And obviously this is heavily influenced by Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Uh, with the name Julie and with the whole storyline, you know, like two, two different. Yeah. R, <laughs> R right. Yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. sure. Um, I really like how the story is narrated by R. You know, he's sort of telling the story. Uh, because of this, we understand what life is like after the apocalypse as a zombie. Right. It's like such a great twist on the already played out zombie genre. You know what I mean? It's a very like, cool angle. Yeah. It's such a cool angle. And I, I love movies like that, that take like, take like, you know, a storyline and just kind of, you know, pull the rug right out from under you and do something differently. You know, it's really well done. Yeah, it's um, it's adorable. Again, this is a great movie, a great little movie. Yeah, it's a cute, cute movie. Um, which is it's funny that we're talking about a cute movie when we're talking about Back from the Dead. But I know <laughs> the actor who plays R. His name's Nicholas Holt. Um, yes, he does such a great job by like showing emotion as a zombie, if that's possible. You know, 
even though he's a zombie, you 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 still feel his like teen awkwardness. He's just angsty, yes, yeah. very angsty zombie, right? Right, and he kind of doesn't know. He he's sort of like coming of age, if that's if that's possible as a zombie, you know? Yes. Um, I also love that Rob Corddry, the uh, co- comedian, is in oh, this. Oh, he's funny, man. He is really funny, and he's great in this movie. He plays like our best friend, right? And they hang out together at like the airport. That's like their their <laughs> the place. They like hang out. Yeah, they like meet at like the airport bar and like just like grunt at each other and say little things, you know? It's so funny. And th- there's so many great scenes with them together. It's like just adds to the hilarity of the movie. Um, Julie's probably my least favorite part of this movie. She's obviously the producer's way of hiring Kristen Stewart without hiring Kristen Stewart because <laughs> she looks exactly like her. She you just think has, so? She just has blonde hair. Matt, I swear to God, go back and look at her. If you just put like brunette hair on, on this actress, you'll be like, holy shit, it's her. <laughs> um then also you get John Malkovich, which is kind of like a yes. kind of a like a big star, you know, plays Julie's dad, which is which is awesome. He's really, really great in this. He plays sort of like this cold military guy that's yes. trying to stop, you know, the uh these zombies from from killing everybody and they, they have like a huge barricade and you know, they have like their, their hidden city behind the walls there. And speaking um, of what Mike, don't yeah. you love that I love that um like you said, it, it it takes some pretty big swings. Like, and as far as like, even the scene where, where it does basically like the slow motion Goodfellas slash you know swingers yes. um, shot yeah. with Mikey, yeah. you know, Mikey Trent and the boys walking in swingers, yep. and it does it to rock you like a hurricane as the oh zombies are coming. It is so an amazing great. scene. It's so awesome. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of moments like that, and you get some good scares right in this movie because even though it's yeah, cool, it's like a romance comedy horror film. There's definitely there's definitely like some good scares because like the whole premise is like these zombies, um, they start to deteriorate over time and they become these creatures that are like horrific and they're almost like just skeletons, right? They call them skellies or something yes, like that. Yes, yes, that's right. And they're like way past gone. But then you you kind of learn to understand that these zombies have the potential to kind of humanize again and, and you know, with, right. with love and caring, they can come back. Um, the reason why I put this on my list is because the film has a lot to offer, Matt. It's a fresh take on a zombie film with an interesting twist because, as I said, as the zombies form relationships with humans, they begin to change back into humans again. Right. It, it has some good scares and it has a great uh, romance coming-of-age story. And this dramatic through line, yeah. Yeah, because in the end, it's a story about a boy who falls in love with a girl I thought it was a, a a great addition, and when I, I remember seeing this in theaters, and I was I was blown away. I thought that this was a super fun movie, and it was like like I said, what a great twist on this already like beaten to death genre. Well, speaking of which, your number five and my number five. If you pair this up with Anne and the Apocalypse, what a hell of a double that feature! That would for be it. a good pair. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you'd have a lot of fun watching zombies again. I mean, this might might even like you know put your faith back in the zombie films just watching these two together. I agree, Matt. That's a good pairing. I like and I, it. By the way, I think the CW um, made a show called iZombie, and I believe it kind of yes. came from, from. I believe they kind of got it off this. Don't you think they kind of really? ripped this, not ripped this off, but they? I think they kind of influenced by this film in some way. I never saw iZombie, so I have no idea, but I, I remember hearing about it, and that would make sense. And I thought it was the zombie point of view. I could be wrong, but I, I thought it was that, and it, maybe, it always reminded me, like, you know what? Warm Bodies got their first... And it was just so well done that somebody wanted to kind of emulate it for right. TV and spin right. off and do something similar, you know? Interesting. All right, cool. All right, Matt. So let's move on. What's your number four? Oh, Mike, my number four comes from uh, 1988. Ooh. So I'm going from 2018. I'm going, th- you know, 30 years beforehand here. Does that, does that add up? Yeah, it does add up. Right? <laughs> You're asking the wrong guy. 
I am going to a film called Dead Heat. There's definitely something very weird going on here. Detective Roger Mortis has a problem. He's dead. But Detective Bigelow is bringing him back alive. That's okay. Don't get up. Told you not to get up. Now, he's got 12 hours to solve the toughest murder case of his career. His own. Vegetarian. How do you fight this thing? Maybe we could drown it in A1 sauce. Treat Williams. Sit down. And Joe Piscopo are dead heat. You can't keep a good cop dead. Oh, okay. Matt, I don't know if I've ever seen this before. Oh, my God. So, first of all, I saw this on Tubi, by the way. Here, I'm, I'm plugging Tubi, man. I don't work for Tubi. I don't get any kickbacks. <laughs> the or check's anything, coming, really... Matty. The check's coming. Check's coming. Okay, well, watch this. It's on Tubi. <laughs> Currently, um, so from 1980, a genre cocktail, Mike, that simultaneously scratches your itch for buddy comedy, crime film, and again, Mike, zombies. But this is so not what you think of when you think of zombies. Right. But it's people that, what for whatever reason, come back from the dead, right? And this is a Back from the Dead episode. So, um, yep. you know, folks are definitely coming back to life in this film because someone is bringing them back, Mike, to do their bidding using a special drug called Sofitrazole. Sofitrazole. So, yeah, Sofitrazole. So... <laughs> Yeah, the opening, this opening scene is so great, Mike. Yeah, this action-filled, spectacular, this, this robbery shootout scene, right? Okay. But there's one catch, Mike. The thieves that get repeatedly shot by like an army of policemen, I mean, they get shot like 80 times. It's like watching like um, Jason Goes to Hell in the beginning with the girl oh, from the cabin yeah, and they're just dropping yeah. bombs on him. <laughs> but Mike, here's the thing. These, these thieves don't get killed. <laughs> they, they get shot all these times and they're not dying. So oh. like, what the hell? Yeah, what's So already you're intrigued, right? Well, one finally gets blown apart by a grenade. So there's the Jason uh, goes to help uh, parallel. Right. And the other one gets crushed between a speeding car and a parked one. So you have these two officers, Bigelow and Mortis. By the way, Mortis, like Riga, Mortis, Riga, yeah. Mortis. <laughs> no, no coincidence. His name is Mortis, his last name. So they go to investigate this company, and it's called Dante Pharmaceuticals. And they've been buying up all this drug that I mentioned before. Right. And the founder, actually, you don't meet him till way, way, way later on. It's just a small cameo, but it's Vincent Price, Mike. Oh, no way. Yes, the Vincent Price. And uh, he's resurrecting the dead to carry out violent crimes and robberies. So Mortis and uh, Bigelow, they go, they're given a tour, and then Piscopo is attacked by this like huge mutation, and it looks like a cross between... Remember that frozen anomaly that McCready finds in the thing that where his face is like halfway yes. down yes. The, at, yeah, the, nor, like, at the, nor yeah, that uh, melting, the Swedish camp or whatever? Yep, mm-hmm. So it's like that, and it looks, and maybe like cross between that and like Rocky Dennis from Mask, probably. Oh my gosh! So um, one of the leads gets accidentally trapped in the decompression chamber, and he's killed. So here we have one of our leads, and he's dead. But not to worry, Mike. This is a film about reanimating dead people, right? Um, so no worries there. <laughs> and now the police have their own personal zombified officer that they can use as a weapon to face off against all the insidious baddies in the film. So now this is great because now they have their their own kind of zombie cop. Who, right. who's going around, right? Right. Um, it's like RoboCop with zombies, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And it's, this is right after, I believe that RoboCop came out right before this, so this is pretty close uh, following that. But Dead Heat, Mike, brings together 
couple of different diverse talents here. You have Joe Piscopo, who was a comedian back in back in the right. day. Right. Yeah. Um, you may remember him. He was on Saturday Night Live for a lot of years. Um, he was also in Johnny Dangerously and Wise Guys in the eighties. Yes. Some really cool kind of you know cool comedies. And then you have Treat Williams, and he's from this real dramatic background. He was in Once Upon a Time in America and Prince of the City, all these serious like crime films. You know these genre gangster yep. films. And mm-hmm. you bring these guys together, and it's like. And then you bring Steve Johnson, the FX guy, who worked on American War from London and Videodrome and Big Trouble in Little China. And you have this cocktail of people that go to this movie that not a lot of people have seen. And Mike, behind the camera, check this out. You know Wes Anderson. It's one of your favorites, right? Absolutely. Well, do you know who his cinematographer is? No. Robert, Robert Yeoman, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, he, he shot this film. Holy shit. Way before he, he hooked up with Wes Anderson in the, in the mid to late 90s. Um, and you know, and formed one of the most creative partnerships, obvi- uh, obviously, in modern cinema. But yeah. We, and Mike Vincent Price is just along for the ride in this movie. But isn't it nice to say your film also stars Vincent Price? Yeah, that, that helps. <laughs> but a huge body count in this movie. Um, great chemistry between the two leads, um, Mike. And there's a scene in a Chinese restaurant. Oh my God, it's so disturbing. But it has these dead plucked chickens and these ducks and these pigs, and right. they come back to life. Ooh. And and it's so disgusting. Out of the freezer, like this walk-in freezer, comes this like humongously enormous pig, right? Yeah. And he has no head. <laughs> oh and he like gosh. he's like coming after them. And Mortis Mortis goes, "How do we fight this thing?" And go. <laughs> and the other guy goes, "Maybe we could drown it in a one sauce." <laughs> <laughs> it's just like one of those great cheesy '80s lines that it's oh, just so awesome. goddamn fun, man. It just makes you smile. <laughs> um, but it is it is nightmare fuel. This scene, I know it's funny, and they put some kind of one-liners in there, but it is it would make you. Instantly turn into a vegetarian. <laughs> so what's your number four, Mike? My number four, Matt. Today is a good day to die, Maddie. Ooh. We are talking about 1990s flatliners. Why are you doing this? To see if there's anything out there beyond death. It is reckless, immoral, and unethical. Today's a good day to die. I'm going next. Nobody is going next. It's too dangerous. We can't turn back now. I'm going further. We've experienced death. Now somehow we brought our sins back physically. You withheld information that's the same as lying. You wouldn't have done it. At least we would have had a choice. Everything and school your future for Nelson's fame. Come on, Joe. This is my idea. You're just tourists. I did not come to medical school to murder my classmates, no matter how deranged they might be. We're running out of time. Starting CPR. One one thousand. Two one thousand. You're not real. Got her. Don't have her. That's all I paid my dues. Flatliners. Some lines shouldn't be crossed. Wow. Some may argue this isn't a hardcore horror film, Mike, but I definitely think that it falls nicely and fits beautifully snugly on this list. Yeah, well, thank you. So this 1990 film from the director who brought us The Lost Boys a few years earlier is a story about five... St. Emil's Fire. (laughs) Yeah, that's that too. Um, Is a story about five medical students who take the term back from the dead... And make it a reality. 
I forgot about this film for so long, Matt. When uh, when we came up with this podcast uh, episode a while back, it was the first film that I thought of. I was like, wow. Mike, totally look at that cast, that. dude. Um, let's talk about that cast. There's so much going for this film. The acting is amazing. Yeah. You have Kiefer, you have Julia Roberts, yep. you have Kevin Bacon. They're Jack. on top of the world in this film. Right? Yeah, one of the bald ones. Yeah, you have... They have the one, one that's in... One William. That's in the, William Baldwin. Okay, yep. yep. And then you have uh, Oliver Pratt, too. Oliver, yes. Yep, who's sort of like a... He's like kind of like a comedic actor, right? He was yeah, he's like great. He's fantastic. Yep. So awesome. So uh, we have Keith Sutherland plays Nelson, who comes up with the idea to force himself into flatlining to see if there's life after death. Yeah. And then to have his other medical student friends bring him back to life. It's such um, a great concept. Oh, my God. It's, it's brilliant. And as we've seen in other movies like Frankenstein and Reanimator, Matt, when you try to play God, bad things happen, right? Indeed. So the other students want to experience this, too. So they all take turns each adding to the time that they are dead, that they are flatlined, right? Right. It keeps and, pushing it, yeah. Yeah, and there's some close calls, right? But they are able to come back for the from for the most part. But when they do, they start yeah. to see things. Yeah, they so, bring things back with them, supposedly, right? Something yes. Like yep. So Kiefer is haunted by a boy he tormented when he. Oh, acts, Mike! Two words, yeah. man. Billy Mahoney. That's it, dude. That's <laughs> it. Holy oh. shit. Yes. Holy shit is right. He gets his ass kicked like five times in this movie. Oh my gosh, totally. Like when he's in his when he's in his uh, apartment or like yes. his ginormous like dorm room or whatever you want to call it. You know what I yes. mean? And he, he locks all the doors and, and Billy comes back. Holy shit. And just beats oh, the man. shit out of him. It's fucking scary. Yeah. So he's he's haunted by this boy he tormented who he accidentally killed when he was young, right? Yes. Um, That's right. He they, accidentally killed him. That's right. Yep. They all have hauntings and memories come back and it drives them to the brink of insanity. Um, until they figure out how to sort of deal with it, I guess, or, you know, kind of stop it. But the, the look of Joel's films are beautiful, right? Like the Lost Boys had this grungy California look, like this dirty seaside town look, you know, muted colors and contrasty lighting. This film is filled with like hard blue and red lights yeah, throughout it's, the movie. Uh, it is gorgeous, man. It really it's, is. It's really beautiful. And like the setting too, um, you gotta, you gotta love the setting. There's they they take place in uh, this this college right this medical school. That's but right. There's an old church that's being re- rehabilitated, right? They're working. Oh, that's on right. It. What a great setting, yeah. And the students choose this as their hospital setup for their romps into the afterlife, uh, because nobody's there. Exactly. You know, no they one's going to kind of hide, them. and nobody's going to care. It, yep. it adds such a creepy a- atmosphere for these college kids playing with life and death while God watches over them. You know, literally, he's he's in that room. That's and right, the church, yeah. There's a great scene where they're in the church and they're doing, I forget, it might be, was it is it Kevin Bacon or Julia Roberts? I forget who's going, but it's like Halloween and there's like a Halloween party like outside the church wow. while they're doing this flatlining. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. crazy. Like you can see the shadows, everyone in costumes outside oh. dancing around the church while this like intense like Do you know where uh, they filmed going on. I don't, I don't. It's got to oh, be somewhere so cool. in California, I would think, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. But anyway, so this is a serious film, Matt. The acting is amazing. The scares are awesome and disturbing. There's a lot of disturbing scenes yeah. in this. Oh my god, with the flat yeah, but just just even Kevin Bacon's character with that girl that he teased them. Yes, um, that's right. Oh, oh my how god. She comes man. back and oh man. It's messed up, yeah. yeah. And I just and that scene where Nelson goes down and uh, under and I think is it Nelson? I think it's Nelson. Yeah, yeah, Keith Kiefer's. It, I mean, it's so freaking suspenseful when they're trying to bring him back and they can't oh get him back. God, and it's yes. tense, man. It's tense. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, um, 
the theme of this this movie is like otherworldly, right? Because they're you know they're dealing with life and death and sure. messing with death. Um, the, the acting is so good; it's just like it's just unbelievable. It was so great to watch this movie again. I highly recommend you go back and check it out or experience it for the first time because it's. Uh, I feel like this is a movie that a lot of people sort of slip through the cracks, you know. Right, Matt. So that was my number four, correct? Yes, it was. Well, let's hear your number three, Mike. This is going to be a little off-center, possibly, but I'm going to go to a film mm-hmm. called Maniac Cop Two. You have the right to remain silent. He's still alive. Forever. Again. You can't kill the dead. Why is this been kept from the public and the press? When this leaks out, people are not going to want to pick up the phone and dial 911. We're looking at a bloodbath here. Let ourselves be serious, We got ourselves a leader. All the cops in the world can't stop Cordell. You murdered him. You're pushing me too far. Maniac Cop 2. You'll be screaming blue murder. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go past the se- the first one. We're going to the sequel. <laughs> By the way, I, I did see this um, a month or two back on Shutter. Okay. So check there. I don't know if they still uh, maintain stuff, um, but you probably could still see it there. Um, but please check this movie out. This movie is amazing. So as it turns out, Mike Matt Cordell, the maniac cop, originally believed to have died in person at the hands of criminals that he helped to put away. Right. He still isn't dead, Mike. He's already come back once from the dead, seemingly. And at the end of the first film, he's thought to have finally died after being impaled with this enormous piece of metal boat tubing and drowning in the river. So in essence, Mike, Maniac Cop 2 is a back from the dead film after already having come back from the dead and being killed <laughs> again movie. That's what it is, if you, can, if you even caught that any of that. So it really works well on this list. So this sequel, the original Maniac Cop 2, from it's two years earlier. I believe this is 1990 as well. It's once oh, again ri- nice. written. Yeah, you know, it's written by Larry Cohen, who has who writes the shit out of a movie. Let me tell you, this guy can really, really construct a film. And it's di- directed by William Lustig, who people know from Maniac, the original Maniac in 1980. Right. He also did the original Maniac Cop. So, and he also did this is the sequel. Some of the great cast members, Mike, are also back, including Bruce Campbell, by the way. Oh, yes. As a cop named Jack and Teresa Mallory, um, a vice cop who kind of, you know, Jack's been romantically involved with. But both Jack and Teresa survived the ordeal originally in the first film, and they are back in this one. So, Mike, why am I choosing Maniac Cop 2? Like, yeah. why, not the, why not the first one? Like, what the hell, right? <laughs> Especially since this film has a short running time. It's like 86 minutes, I think. And the first two minutes are literally literally scenes plucked directly from the end of the first film and then oh, repurposed. It's like a Halloween one into Halloween two kind of thing. Yeah. So now we're down to 84 minutes. Then you have um, Cordell, the maniac cop has the same exact, believe it or not, he has the same exact flashback as the one shown in the first film. That's another two and a half minutes. So that's now we're about, we're about 79 minutes now. If you wow. factor in new material. Okay. <laughs> Cause it's, it, it is literally Mike. They, they, they literally repurposed the same exact flashback from the first. And it's a great flashback, but they show it exactly again in this film. 
They don't add anything to it. It's like exactly shot no. For they shot? don't. They don't. It's shot for shot. Um, wow. And by the way, the first film also had Tom freaking Atkins. Oh, that's so, right. So I forgot. He how was the that. hell am I not picking this movie? Right, Matt. I'm, I'm right. really curious. I'm getting there. Well, Mike, the first film may have had Atkins, but Maniac Cop Two doubles down on Robert Davi. Do you know who Robert Davi is, Mike? I have no idea who that Mike, is. Mike, he played Jake Fratelli, the opera singing brother in the Goonies. Oh, in a oh my God, when, that's when right. When Chunk runs into the road and, he st- and the, the opera yeah. guy starts, that's Robert Davi, Mike. Oh, okay. He also would soon land a role as um, in License to Kill, the Bond film in 92. He's the bad guy in that movie. Yes, that's right. And Mike, this movie also has Leo freaking Rossi. Yeah, that's Bud from Halloween 2. Yes. Okay. Incidentally, another film which opens with scenes from the original film. <laughs> so he's in a couple of movies where they just replay the same scenes from the same from the, from yeah. the movie. Um, Mike Bud is back, Mike. But this is Bud, Bud is back with a serious beard. So you got Bud, you got bearded Bud. <laughs> you can you could picture a real timeline where Bud and Karen actually survived the ordeal at Haddonfield Memorial, and they carry on with their very tumultuous relationship here, and it leads to a devastating breakup. And this breakup sends Bud reeling. And onto his own version of a like this long weekend, this lost weekend that like Lennon had in the seventies, where he grows a beard, moves to New York City, and starts hanging out in seedy Times Square strip joints. Eventually, becoming Mike a serial killer because Leo Rossi oh. is a serial killer in this movie. So now we have the maniac cop and a serial killer. So oh, it's like okay. a buddy film of kill two killers. <laughs> I like what you did there, Manny. So Mike, bud, yeah, I've got. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mike. At least someone appreciates me. So Mike, Bud is all grown up, as Trent from Swingers would say. And um, he's become a serial killer named Turkle. And he is so good in this film. Like, he's having a great time, like, hanging out with the maniac cop, Matt Cordell. So the film, like I said, it's a, it's, it's two, a serial killer and a maniac cop working together. I mean, what kind of premise is that? I mean, it's wonderful, right? Yeah. But Mike, you, here's what you would really appreciate about this movie. There's a scene in the middle of this movie. It's just like the comparing scars scene in Jaws. Oh, okay. Except in this film, Leo Rossi's serial killer, Turkle, he takes out his giant knife to kind of show Cordell like really proudly. Like, right. This is the one he uses to cut up strippers and exotic dancers, like the women he considers to be unclean. That's why he kills them. Okay. And then Cordell slowly unsheaths his like enormous billy club, his sick, and has a blade in it. So it's like his yeah. billy sick blade or whatever. And Rossi goes, ooh, you got a big one too. <laughs> It's the best fucking dial. Oh, that's awesome. And Mike, it's so wonderfully warped. Like these two outlaws, man, these killer cowboys comparing the sizes of their instruments of death to each other. <laughs> and the, the the tribute goes even further than that, Mike, because you know, the background and stuff in that scene from Jaws, right? Yeah. Well, in this one, you have this brick wall, this wonderful brick wall behind behind them in, in um, Leo Rossi's apartment, Turkle's apartment. And actually, Maniac Cop is actually staying with Leo Rossi, believe it or not. He invites him to stay. He <laughs> yeah, so he hangs out. I mean, this is a fucking stone-cold killer and a serial killer hanging out oh together. Oh, my gosh. And it's bathed in this red light that's coming from a large neon, like, open sign that's hanging on the brick wall. Uh-huh. And it's beautiful light, beautifully lighting the back, just like kind of like the ship was in, like, Jaws. Yeah. And there's shadows, and there's water trickling down. And it's just, it's amazing, dude. But it's like this homage, but it's... This like becomes wholly original all on its own, and it's, I just you would really appreciate that scene a lot. That's awesome. There's a six minute balls to the wall car chase action scene. I mean, it is absolutely ridiculous, but it is like all practical, all real. It's riveting. Like it, it's, I mean, it's a low budget sequel here, and you have a, se- a six minute car chase sequence that like really in the suture Manhattan. 
That's. Do you think they got? Permission I think it's for actually. That? I think it's actually L.A. Believe it or not, in this one. Oh, I, is I believe, it? Okay. They shot some stuff in Manhattan, but I believe they shot a lot of this in L.A. Okay. Um, but Mike, it makes the massacres. I mean, oh my God, it makes the massacre scene at the end of Police Station in Halloween Five look like Sesame Street in comparison. It really oh, does. It's, it's, and that movie had a hell of a lot more money in the budget. Yeah. But um. Oh my God, Mike! There's a, there's a shot of the twin towers, man. It makes you really stop and go, shit, man. These oh, were the man. beautiful times, you know. Yeah. Even though, like I said, it was largest shot in California, but um, it's got some great other actors in it. The guy from I get, I want to get you. Uh, I'm gonna get you, sucker. Is in there. <laughs> Robert Old Jones from Sleepaway. Oh, the um Ben, the guy from the kitchen in Sleepaway Camp. Oh, he's in it. The guy that's hanging out with Artie. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's in this too. That's awesome. He plays a blind newsstand vendor. Um. But you know what makes a it makes a great double feature if you watch this and the original back to back. It's you really they they're so continued from each other, right? Um, but it even cribs the tagline from the original Mike and the, the tagline. I don't know if you remember. It's one of the greatest ever. You have the right to remain silent forever. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get much better than that tagline. That's but, pretty you know, amazing. But, but I mean, if you had a gra- if you had a tagline, you'd have to use it twice because I mean, who could blame them for doing that? So, um, <laughs> so Mike, order order in preferably some New York style pizza and watch this right now, or else you're under arrest. God damn it! <laughs> Keep the lights off. We'll be right back. The Alone in the Dark Patreon is the destination to get more of your favorite horror podcast. Join us for a nostalgic journey through horror, where we offer bonus podcast episodes every month, in addition to video segments like Off the Shelf, where Maddie dusts off a horror book from his collection, and On the Record, where Mike drops the needle on some of his favorite horror records. Besides our bonus content, we also offer other perks like coffee mugs and teas. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash alone in the dark podcast to see what you're missing. So that's my number three, Mike. What is your number three recommendation for Back from the Dead films? Okay, Matt. This is going to be... This is my my completely on-the-nose pick, and it is Day of the Dead by George A. Romero. Yes, 1985. Day of the Dead. There have to be survivors in Washington. Oh, my. They have more sophisticated shelters than this one. There have to be people in those shelters who know about us, who know where we are. With no radio contact, they'll come looking for us. I said shut up! They can be tricked into being good little girls and boys. Same way we were tricked into it. Promise of some reward to come. What the fuck is wrong with you people? They're dead! They're fucking dead, and you want to teach them tricks? They have to be rewarded, Captain. Why else will they do what we want them to do? I don't want them to do anything but drop George A. Romero's Day of the Dead, the most eagerly awaited day in horror film history. So before Day of the Dead, George A. Romero gave us the classic Night of the Living Dead, as we know, right? He started his career with that film. Yep. 
Um, and in that film, his message was about the the schism of people in the '60s, right? Sure, it's about racism, a lot, a lot and, of things. Sure, yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of hidden kind of uh, meanings there. In his second installment, Mr. Romero told told us in Dawn of the Dead that people are not as much different from the zombies. They they both love shopping malls. Sure, consumerism. Yep, big time. Yep. And then in this film, that is <laughs> that is my number three, Matt on my list george teaches teaches us that no matter what is going on in the world whether it's a pandemic or a zombie apocalypse people will end up tearing each other apart in some cases literally when instead they should be sticking together in order to survive yeah so in the story we kind of start with a small it's like a small group of like soldiers i guess and civilians yeah they're out looking in a helicopter to see if they can find any other survivors right Right, right, but they're all sort of in this like the underground bunker, bunker and, yes. and they're supposed to be in Florida, right? I think it's yep. in Florida. Yep, I believe um, Miami or something, right? Yeah. So or time has Miami. gone, time has gone by, and the, and the zombies have taken slowly taken over the taken over the world, right? Yep. Uh, or at least the, the United States in this case, uh, with the humans being the small minority. Yes. And like the mad Doctor Logan gives us that he says it's like four hundred thousand to one. Basically, he's given us sort of like a comparison of of how many you know zombies to one person it would be. Um, so you get the perspective there, which is pretty, pretty frightening. So we have Sarah, right? She's the protagonist in this dark story. She is. And I usually don't like dark tales of horror, Maddie. You know, you kind of know that about me. I like sort of the lighter side of you things do. generally. Yeah, for sure. But there's something about this dystopian film that I really love every time I see it. And I don't know why. And I, it like, I really thought about it. And then I thought it must be Sarah, right? I really like her character. She's strong, yet she is afraid of what is to come to her yeah, future. Yeah, she is. She's so real, yeah. She's very real. and uh, Or like the underground bunker reminds me of the summer version of The Thing, maybe. Yeah, um, no, for sure. Yeah, it definitely has that vibe, right, of everyone sort of in there. And Mike, it's so and... funny that you mentioned The Thing, because I really think this movie has parallels with The Thing in that mm. I, I think it was very poorly received when it came out. Right. Just like The That's Thing. That's true. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think... If I think if you look at the way opinion has swayed over the last 35, 40 years, yeah. 35 years or so, I think this movie is one of the most revised as far as opinions go. I think people hated yeah. it when it first came out, and I think now right. they look at it as the master, the master, the unsung masterpiece of George Romero. I agree. I agree. It's really changed. It's changed. Like there's so many people that are diehards now, including me. You know what I mean? I'm, I was, and I am. A, I have to this. admit, I'm a little surprised by that. I am. I, yeah, it's just one of those weird things. I can't place my finger on it. But I can like though, I said, because it, honestly, it because it's so ahead of its time as far as what it was trying to say, and I think people were pissed mm-hmm. that it just wasn't another, like because I, I think too that the people aren't as afraid. Like people have evolved in this, even though they're the yeah. minor, they're the super minority, right? They even from the beginning, they're like they're showing you the zombies learning. Watch, they're luring those zombies in the cave, like toward the yep. thing where they close them in the um in that yeah. wooden like enclosure yep. or whatever. And I just think people weren't ready to see people fucking with zombies like that. They wanted to see zombies ripping people's insides out and ruling the earth. And that's what they wanted to see. But this is not telling that story at all. No, no. It's like way after, right? People are sort of like just dealing with it, like just trying to be like, hey, how are we going to how are we going to make this work? Basically. Right. It wasn't as scary because it's like, oh, no, now they're messing with the zombies. It's like it's like playful almost. Right. But to right, me, it was exactly. that, that makes it even more scary. Right. I agree. Because now you're letting I your agree. guard down, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely. agree with you, man. I totally, wholeheartedly agree with you. So, so Matt, some highlights for me in this film. The opening scene with Sarah and her dream. I love that scene. Yes. Those hands coming out of the wall. Oh, my such, God. Such an amazing practical effect, right? It was yes. so cool. 
And I love how the kids were watching that in what season was it of uh, Stranger Things? I think it's uh, season three. It's three, probably. Morning. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That was so cool. They snuck into the theater to see that, and they showed that scene. It was so great. Um, all the scenes with crazy Doctor Logan and Bub. Um, <laughs> Matt, a zombie wearing headphones is pretty fucking awesome. It is pretty freaking awesome. What a, what a, <laughs> what a great image. It, it's awesome. I also love the gore in this. Even though we don't get a ton of it, Matt, we get it pretty awesome. So Tom Savini obviously brought his big guns for this movie. Yeah. Um, Rhodes is a character that is the worst of the worst, right? He's yes. a He's a dirty fucking pricky motherfucker. Yeah, he is. Um, his death scene is such an amazing payoff because you are actually rooting for the zombies 100,000%, right, yeah. The way his lower half is pulled from his body is an amazing feat in practical effects. Most people have heard that uh, that the pig that they use pig intestines, right? For for most of the gore, uh, the gore scenes, they they use real pig intestines, right. which had to be disgusting. But the look on film makes us so real. It's like oh such a stunning God. display and, of guts. And, and the way he sal- Bub salutes before he walks off. Oh my God, that is so oh, great. God, it I is. I love it. I love it. Um, I also love the ending in this film, Matt. Uh, Sarah looks like she's about to get away and zombies are about to grab her as she's desperately trying to escape uh, onto the helicopter. And then we are left with a scene with her on an island. We don't really know what happens, right? She's on an island. It appears that she's safe and ready to start a new life, zombie free. But my question to you, Matt, is she? Did you take it that way or was, do you think? Well, there were how many more dead? There's three more dead films after this, right? Right. So apparently not, even though I like to think that it, a chapter closes after this one. I really do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you said, I I do think it actually ha- finds some hope in all of the, you know, all of this chaos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it does a really wonderful job. I think, honestly, this is, to me, it's George, because George Romero wrote this as well, right? Yeah, he did. I just, I think this is his best writing in this movie, for sure. I, I love it. Yeah, it's so human. You know what I mean? Just the just the characters are so great. And it's so, so funny, because you and I, both you and I never, like, we love George Romero, but when we love George Romero, we, we love Creepshow. Like, we love, like, the safer, funner, more fun yeah. stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But this movie really makes me appreciate George Romero so much, like, on a different, higher level, and I have so much right. more respect for him. Yeah. Even though I love Dawn of the Dead, and, and Night of the Living Dead says yeah. really important things. This movie, though, elevates him, I think, significantly. Absolutely. Like, I, I would, this would probably be my favorite out of his trilogy here, you know? Yeah, I now, think so. Didn't he, didn't he have a film ready to go called Island of the Dead or something? He was I'm not pick sure up? about that. I think I read that somewhere where I think it was going to pick up where this film left off, which I thought would have been a great installment, but he never got to m- make it, you know what I mean? Which is, which was sad. But, um, by the way, you, anyways, know, you, know, you know where you yeah. can watch this movie, Mike? Uh, Tubi. <laughs> <laughs> you actually can. I see. Yes, you can. That's awesome. All right, Matt. So that was my number three. We are down to our last two. So your number two is my number two. You could see this on Tubi as well, as well as Showtime and AMC Plus. Again, we're stuck in 1985, Mike. Mm-hmm. And and Marty's time uh, Marty's uh, time machine's not working well, so we're stuck. <laughs> we're going to Stuart Gordon's Reanimator. Herbert West is at the top of his class in medical school. How can you teach such drivel? These people are here to learn, and you're closing their minds before they even have a chance. What are He's you? brilliant, but a little weird. I've broken the six to twelve minute barrier. I've conquered brain death. His experiments have always been unorthodox. It was dead. I 
but lately they're getting out of hand. And he's just made a discovery that could wake up the dead. Herbert West has affected reanimation in dead animal tissue. What are you thinking? How do you feel? Herbert West brought a lot of dead people back to life, and not one of them showed any appreciation. H.P. Lovecraft's classic tale of horror, Reanimator. Mr. West. You'll never get credit for my discovery. Who's going to believe a talking head get a job in a sideshow? It will scare you to pieces. So most horror films break the rules of logic, Mike. That's not saying anything new, right? But every once in a great while, there are those special ones that don't just break logic. They drive over it with a 40-ton Mack truck. <laughs> they freaking obliterate it. And that is Reanimator. Yes. Mike, you love story. I love story. Yeah, you really do. It's, it's, it's almost a non-negotiable for me. But... This movie made me see that, you know, once in a while, you have to say, fuck it. Just get carried away in the wild rapids of some talented filmmaker's imagination, and that's Reanimator. Yes, it is. <laughs> I, I mean, I couldn't imagine producers or anybody reading this script and seeing the potential for the great movie. Like, it's madness. Now, oh, I get you it. You could never make this movie today. I get There's it. No it's H.P. Lovecraft, and literally, it's madness, right? We know that. Yeah. But it's so ridiculously messed up. <laughs> And Stuart Gordon, I mean, maestro of the macabre, I mean, he really made this movie fly. I, it could have certainly should have gone way off the rails. And don't get me wrong, it does. But in all these glorious, good, cool ways, it goes off the rails. <laughs> I mean, the cast might think about it. They go for it in every scene. Barbara Cram Crampton, she is fearless in this movie. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. just think about the end where yeah. she's naked like <laughs> on a table her legs are wide open and she is oh just sitting gosh. i mean i can't i i just can't believe how fearlessly she you know obviously there was a skeleton crew i think to um you know the, 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 on set i believe Stuart gordon was really respectful for that yes but still even still i mean come on i mean jeffrey and jeffrey combs mike his herbert west Holy, yes up there on the upper echelon of beautiful buffoons Right next to Bruce Campbell's ash. I mean, he might be right below him, but it's damn close, if you if you ask me. Well, that's what he's known for, if you think about sure. it. Sure. Right? Yeah. And speaking people, of uh, yeah, speaking of evil dead, from, I know what you did last summer, part two. You know. Oh, that's that's true. That he is. That, <laughs> he does make it. He make it. He makes it work. <laughs> he does. Speaking of evil dead, Mike Reanimator breathes the same rarefied air as that film. It's almost as if Stuart Gordon and his crew were like, "Hey, did you guys see Evil Dead?" And then they tried to outdo it. <laughs> In terms of its absurdity. The irony being, Mike, the irony being that Reanimator plays with comedy and comedic tones probably even better than the original Evil Dead, which by all accounts is, you know, the balls out wacky horror film that pushes boundaries. But then you could picture Sam Raimi and his crew going when they're setting up for Evil Dead 2. And his crew was going, hey, do you guys see Reanimator? <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. And then, and then they went ahead and won up to the zaniness and the comedy with Evil Dead 2, as, as we all know. Right, uh, and I exactly. love that. It's like the Stones and the Beatles just kind of saying, you know, and Brian Wilson making pet sounds, going, "Man, I heard Rubber Soul, and this is a fucking great bit album." But listen to this, and then McCartney <laughs> going, "Yeah, now I got Sergeant Pepper, dude." So, so it's just that beautiful, like you know, competition, but that friendly, you know, insp inspiration thing that just keeps tumbling down from director to director. You know, 
Yep. Mike, I mean, what more can you say? A severed head gives head. <laughs> Have you ever seen this before or since? I, I don't no, it's I, How could you redo that in a film? That is like, that's a once in a lifetime sort of moment in a right? horror film. <laughs> and like, I, I don't know. I read this and I wonder if it's true, but in real life, David Gale, the guy who plays Dr. Hill, the severed head dude. Yes. His, his wife left him shortly after the screening of this movie. Oh my God, are you serious? Well, apparently she was, I mean, she was obviously disgusted by the scene. I mean, who wouldn't be? Yeah. Um, in which her husband's severed head goes down on another, or, or almost does. <laughs> and on apparently another man's he wasn't, daughter. <laughs> yeah, and he, apparently he wasn't disgusted enough. <laughs> oh my God. Watching himself. So Maybe he was smiling and it was kind of proud of what he did. I don't know. But Mike, sometimes a, a movie is just more than, is, a film is more than just a film and it becomes a real thing, like a thing that apparently ruins marriages, it wrecks real <laughs> lives. And it's for me, I mean, Reanimator is just a gift that keeps on giving me. jumping forward in time now to 2017 we're going to be talking about a movie that i've mentioned a lot on this podcast but we're really going to get into it tonight and it is happy death day you scared me hey you're up look i know this isn't going to make any sense stop global warming i feel like i'm losing my mind you sneaky little biash. Happy birthday. I've already lived through this day. Somebody's gonna kill me tonight. So you can hear now. But is everything okay? Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Assuming that I believe any of this is even possible. Sprinklers. Car alarm. The way I see it. You have unlimited amount of lives. Unlimited opportunities to solve your own murder. So I'm supposed to keep dying until I figure out who my killer is? You want to live to see tomorrow, right? Whoever's killing you knows it's your birthday. Pretty much the entire school knows it. These are signs of major trauma. You should be dead. You relive the same day over and over again. Kind of start to see who you really are. So, Matt, repeating the sentence is the opening for my number two pick. Repeating the sentence is my opening for my number two pick. <laughs> repeating the sentence is my opening for my number two pick. It's a little homage to the beginning of this film. I love when they show the uh, the Universal is it Universal logo or Paramount? I can't remember. Uh, but it just keeps like getting they sucked back. It. And they keep showing it over and over again. I love it. Uh, so Happy Death Day was such a refreshing horror film for me, Matt. I don't know about you, but I love it. Yeah, it's so great. This film has so much going for it. So let's we're gonna get we're gonna do a little little list here, Matt. Number one, you have Tree, who is such she's such an amazing character arc. Right, it's probably one of the greatest character arcs. Yes, yeah, she's fantastic in horror. She starts up being such a bitch, right, to everyone in her path, <laughs> and ends up learning her lesson. And while defeating the killer in the end, right? Well, she is a sorority sister, right? She is, yeah. But what a great character arc, right? I just think yes. uh, it's perfect. Number two, the elephant in the room, Matt, 
it's Groundhog's Day as a horror film. Like, come on, that's pretty awesome. That's genius. It is. That pitch would go really far. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, and it's it's crazy that um, you think about it. Like, that's one of those things. Like, you and I are writers, right, Matt? We like we like to come up with stories. You, you know, you write you're writing a novel right now. It's one of those ideas that if you said to me, Mike, I want to make this film and I have this story and it's about a girl, it's just like Groundhog Day, I would say to you immediately, we can't do it. It's already been done. You know what I mean? Of course. But yes. how brilliant is that, that it was done? You know what I mean? And it was done in such a way that it's a horror film and they kind of poke fun at it in the end. You know yes. what I mean? It's brilliant. So that's number and Don't sacrifice the tone. The tone is just it's fantastic. Oh, they it's... ride that line, that razor thin line, and they succeed. Yeah, absolutely. So that's number two, Matt. Number three, the mask is so good. It it so reminds me, I don't know about you, it reminds me of the mask in Valentine a little bit, right? A it's, little bit. Yeah, you got the Cupid and then you have this baby face, right? It's the babies, yeah. I don't know that's if the you... name of the team, right? Yeah, that's right. They're the um uh, They're the babies, I think. Yeah, maybe it's the babies, I forget. But the mask, I don't know if you knew this, Matt. The mask was designed by Tony Gardner, who designed the uh, oh. the ghost face mask in Scream. Like he Wow. He like redesigned it because obviously Fun World was the originals. They had the, you know, the 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 face, but he sort of like redesigned it to make it make it awesome for the movie. Uh, number four. Matt, you and I love horror and and like effects and gore, stuff that we don't see, right? It's like kind right. of freakier, right? So right. I love how you don't actually see a kill, but just the moment right before Tree dies. Yes. Um, so sure, we could have seen every kill and death in this film, right? And uh, we could have went for like a gore fest and you know made it a rated R movie. Uh, but Christopher Landon was so smart to realize that there was no need to see her kill and death because Tree wouldn't see it, right? So why would the audience see it? Because right, we're going to snap true. right back to her on that bed, you know? Um, yep. uh, so number five, Matt. The, the twist is pretty awesome. This was a twist that I didn't see coming. Just as soon as you think you have it figured out and you think that it's tombs, right? You think it's the the, the pr- yes. prisoner in the, the hospital and you're like saying to yourself, that's too obvious. There's no way. And then you're like, oh, maybe it is. Christopher Landon makes you feel good for being right. Then he hands you Lori on top of a cupcake to stuff in your face and you're just blown away, <laughs> right? You're just, Oh, yeah. yeah. So number six, Matt, the perfect ending. There was a much darker ending where you find out that Dr. Butler's wife is the killer and Tree is killed by her. And although this sounds cool, I can see why they changed it. We've we've been on this crazy ride with Tree. And for her to go uh, through all that change and growth and see, and then, then all of a sudden she's dead in the end, it's like yeah, a, it would be, be such a poor. huge letdown, right? Yeah, it would. It definitely would. And it's such a bummer, right? So the ending we get is so much better when we have Carter, you know, her her bow there, uh, play a prank on her. It's genius. It's like, it's such a, a great comedic topper that sort of tricks you, and then it's like one last twist, you know, that we used to like get April in the Fool's 80s. Day. Absolutely. Uh, to this already awesome film. It's great. So, so Matt, Tree dies 11 times in Happy Death Day. This film is a perfect candidate for our back to back from the dead horror list. I just think it's uh, it's great because she just keeps coming back and coming back and coming back until yes, she changes and she's uh, you know she has that that awesome arc. So that's uh, that was my number two, Matt. We are down to our number one, Matt. I am so excited to hear what you got. 
All right, so is there a better better example of a Back from the Dead film than Mary Lambert's 1989 trauma-inducing Stephen King adaptation, Pet Cemetery? At the edge of the woods, behind the Creed's new house, is the old animal graveyard, the place where devoted pets are laid to rest. Daddy, is church all right? What is this place? I brought you here to bury Alan's cat. I dreamed he got hit by a car and you and Mr. Crandall buried him. Why, Judd? I had more reasons. What did we do tonight, Judd? What we did, Lois, was a secret. But some don't stay. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. You're thinking thoughts best not thought of, Lois. Daddy's gonna do something really bad! That's why no one ever buried a human being out there. You're thinking of putting them up there. Don't deny the thought hadn't crossed your mind. And why nothing ever rests in peace. If it doesn't work, I'll just put him back to sleep. Come back to me, Gage. Come back to us. Paramount Pictures presents Stephen King's all-time best-selling tale of horror. Gage? First I played as Judd. Mommy came, and I played with Mommy. We had an awful good time. What did you do? What did you do? Pet Cemetery. You could see this on Pluto TV for free. It's also streaming on Prime um, to check out the original 1989 Mary Lambert's Pet Cemetery. I don't think there is, Mike, a better Back from the Dead film than no, this. No, I would agree with you there. I can remember owning one of the earlier paperback editions of this novel from Stephen King back in the probably the mid to late 80s, I want to say. I was a teenager. And written on the back in large, stark white letters against a pitch black background were these words, Mike, the most frightening book Stephen King has ever written. <laughs> That's all it said on the back of the book. Wow. I mean, you didn't need to open the book. You didn't need to read a synopsis. You read that, and it's and you know Stephen King's already got scary books, but now yeah. this is the most frightening one. I mean, I'm in, right? Right. It's this great, you know, hook from from the advertising. I mean, this was advertising. I mean, purportedly, the man himself was so freaked out by this novel, he buried it in his drawer for years and wouldn't release it. Added to this, King actually, I don't know if you know this, he did, he did little to no promotion at all after this was released. Oh, really? Like he no, just, he didn't. Just didn't go out on the road? He was just like, Not, No, it. he didn't. Now, was this and when again, he was on, was this when he was like all coked up and stuff or that was early? He certainly was yeah, in, in, the, in the early 80s. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Yeah. Was big, big time cocaine in the, in the early to mid 80s, yes. Um, but think about it, Mike. When when Hitchcock came out with Psycho, like you know, you couldn't be admitted once the movie started. It was this grandstanding, and it was like you know, you couldn't keep his mouth shut. Like it, it, it's amazing how how in your face Hitchcock was about yeah. you know promotion, self promotion. But now, by keeping his mouth closed somehow and shut here, King, it spoke so much more than actually saying things. Wait, wait, he's not talking about this. Why? Like you're very intrigued about right. that, right? Yeah. And then you see the most frightening book he's ever written. 
So obviously he was uncomfortable about, about some of the, you know, the stuff in it. Um, and it's, I got to admit, when you, when you do figure out about the book and the movie, it, it's pitch black in the second half of this movie, in, the first, in this book. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's so dark. And the word of mouth carried so much further than him promoting it could ever have done. So that's the best kind of advertising. Um, then the film came out, Mike. Now, I've spoken numerous times about my friend Mikey D. Yes. On this podcast. Yep. And he will be hopefully joining us shortly in a, in a few short months. Hopefully, in the next couple of months, we're going to get him on here. Can't wait. Um, but his older sister, Julie, God bless her, she took us to see um, Creep Show in 87. Creep Show 2, actually. I'm sorry. And in April of 89, we begged her once again, Julie, please, 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 please. And she graciously came through. What a theatrical experience. Did you see this in the movie theater? No, I did not. I did not. Okay. This was definitely a rental for me. Yes. So I saw this with Mikey D and his sister, Julie. You know, we were younger. We couldn't get in. So she got us in. And I just remember, it's Elliot Goldenthal's beautiful music. You have those Orinco trucks flying by in several shots as this tragic foreshadowing. My God. I mean, for Christ's sake, Mike, after the credit sequence in the cemetery is over, the opening shot, I don't even know if you remember this, as soon as the credits are over and it says, you know, directed by Mary Lambert, yeah. the first shot is this low angle shot and a huge speeding truck whizzes over the top of the camera. Oh my God, I forgot about that. It's almost like it's Gage's point of view later. Oh my God. So Seriously. <laughs> it is disturbing, but, it was, but it's amazing how they set it up right in the beginning. And then, you know, Victor Pascal with his brains leaking out of his head. Yeah. Remember, this is Lewis's first day on the job. Right, right. And he grabs Lewis while he's supposedly dead on the table. That was the greatest jump scare when he grabs him. Oh, my God. Yes. It's so freaky. I mean, everyone comes back from the dead in this film, Mike. Everyone. Yeah. I mean, think about think about Zelda, Mike. What did oh. Zelda do to you when you first saw Zelda? I was I was frozen. I was in my basement watching this on VHS. Oh, and I was it was a basement frozen. watch? Yeah. I, I, that's one of those. I've talked about it where I had to run upstairs when I when I was done watching that movie. You know what I mean? It was so scary. Zelda that was, was in the, the basement with me. You know what I mean? That was one of the runs, running up the stairs Oh my once. God, yeah. I, I took off. Lights off, just s- sprinted upstairs. I mean, the th- yeah, the thing of nightmares, there's no question. Mike, you, if you were in the theater though, oh my God. My people were literally, and I'm not kidding, they were screaming. I believe it. Screaming. When she flies across the room. Holy Never shit. Never again. And yeah. she's like screaming at her. People were screaming. They didn't even wow. know how to deal with it. Um, you know, oh my God, Judd's death. Yeah. When when he slashes his mouth with the scalpel oh, and then he God. cuts his Achilles tendon. Oh, oh, that you felt that one. Holy mac. It's like it's uh here again with Daniel Stern stepping on the goddamn nail in Home Alone. I mean, it's one of those moments. Mm-hmm. And then he bites and then Gage bites his throat. Oh god. I mean, Hermit Hermit Herman Munster gets taken out by a goddamn <laughs> zombie muppet. <laughs> Oh my God! First, I play with Judd. <laughs> then I play with Mommy, and oh. now I play with you. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and Mike, you know that you know the part that guts us now as adults. I mean, what is it? Well, what is scene it when, is when Gage gets? Uh, oh my yeah. God! I mean, it's obviously Gage's death, right? So, yeah. I can still hear these collective gasps. People, it was like <gasps> it was like that giant giant deep breath from from other theater goers i can hear it now mike i'm this is 1989 literally 32 years ago um in april it'll be 32 years that oblivious truck driver he's singing sheen is a punk rocker sheen he's like getting down and he's speeding and speeding in this goddamn death machine and um he's barreling down on on this unsuspecting gauge and people mike were paralyzed and screaming in their chairs like please please i mean 
you saw people speak into a screen like you've never seen people speak into a screen before. Wow. And then what does Mary Lambert do, Mike? She shows that overhead shot just to show you and tease you and show you that's how far Lewis still has to go to get and there's no fucking way he's going to get Right, it. right. He's not going to make it. Yep. And she just completely destroys you by that overhead shot. Oh, God. And what a, what a brilliant move on her part, though. Is it slow motion, too? Is he running in no, slow motion? Or is it regular some of, motion? I, I don't think it's... I don't, I don't know if when he falls, it's slow motion. I don't think it is. Right, right. I couldn't remember. And I, I, and I think that would have been a little too dramatic if like if they the, did yeah, that. I think you're right, yeah. But that overhead shot to show you how far he still is from him. Because when you look at him, him, him kind of stumbling after him, he doesn't look too... It's like, oh, he could, he could do it. He could yeah, get there. yeah. And then she goes up, cranes up, and it's just like, oh my God, there's no way he's going to get there. Wow. But Mike, that the aftermath, Mike, think about the aftermath of that shot, yeah. right? You hit the gauge, and then it's over, yep. and then you hear Lewis's scream, and what oh do they show you? Oh my God. What do they show you? I'm trying to remember. It's It's been a little while it's since I've seen it. It's those Polaroid shots of him as a newborn. Oh, that's right. They cut back. Oh my God. Dude, that's dude. like just the twisting the dagger you know it is oh it's the polaroids awful. of him holding them and oh my oh my god. god it's awful yeah you're right it goes from this, him screaming and falling to the ground and, he, right? and his scream's still over it <sighs> yeah and you got the and the polaroids oh, take god that is so heart-wrenching it's awful and you oh my god dude and then and it's, okay we're, we're down now, just kick us a little bit more mary please <laughs> rachel's father attacks lewis at the funeral the casket tips over and you can see his little body oh flop my god yeah inside oh awful. my god awful. mike and this is so uncharacteristic of just about all of king's work think about it king's all about hope and humanity yeah. he's all about that right but this movie spirals into this bleak darkness which harbors absolutely no hope not a freaking modicum of hope not even a little bit no nope. not even a sliver of it Mm-mm. and death is not even the worst thing that can happen mike that's what scared me the most. Death is not the worst thing. No. S- sometimes dead is better. You're fucking damn right. <laughs> I mean, right there in that genius tagline, it, it tells you everything you need to know. You 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 get this glimpse through the pitch black darkness and it just envelops you. And you, you after the third act, you, you're swallowed. You cannot get out of it. It's a coffin that closes on you. What a And 30 plus years genius. later, Mike, I'm just, I'm in the dark. I'm still, don't know how I could shake this, this yeah. movie. Yeah. This, this many years after. Matt, my number one is a movie that is near and dear to my heart, and it is Night of the Comet. Did you ever wonder what it would be like to be one of the last people on Earth? We're talking ghost town! Who would you see? There's nobody. I mean, there's nobody. Ah! What would you do? Hey, I'm sorry if the end of the world makes me a little nervous. Where would you go? The stars are up and... Well, get ready to find out, because the comet is coming into your orbit. The legal drinking age is now 10, but... You will need ID. Let's be real. It's the night of the comet. What do you give me if I come back? Texas. Night of the Comet. I'll be taking requests from all you teenage comet zombies. The night the teenagers ruled the world. Yeah! Night of the Comet. The garden of civilization is on us. Fiction, isn't it? Man. Night of the Comet was, was a part of the first group of horror films that I rented from West Coast Video. 
Oh man, it was it was in that group because uh, it was recommended to me by you know the the guy behind the counter there. Um, yep. And I just remember seeing the VHS cover and wondering, like, who this mysterious girl was standing in that doorway, you know? It right. It's kind of like a mysterious cover, right? That, that didn't really tell you much of what was happening. Not at all. So I remember watching this in my basement. We just talked about, you know, my basement. That's where I watched a lot of my films. Um, sure. And I fell in love. I don't know about you. I fell in love with Regina and her, her expert skills at Tempest. Uh, you know, playing <laughs> Tempest in the in the movie uh, theater there. I love that she worked in the movie theater. I thought it was so cool. I just loved her attitude. She was like disrespectful but lovable at the same time when she's when she's working, you know, at the theater and he's trying to get her to go clean and she's just like yeah, Regina's awesome. She's she's, Mike, just like, she's concentrating. She is hardcore like oh, focused she, on the on Yeah, Tempest. she's got Reg all over that machine until she sees those other <laughs> Except for the sixth place or whatever, right? Yeah, Somebody yeah, snuck in yeah. there. DM the other, uh, not DMX, DM, it's like DMK, I think, or something like yes, that. Yes, DMK, yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Matt, the look of this movie is awesome. Like the use of those like red filters, you know, to drench the sky in like apocalypse red. It's like beautiful. Right. So, uh, so, you know, the story is it's like, it's new year's Eve, right. Or it's around new year's Eve, I think, or I'm not sure what the date is, if it was or not. I think it's like a New Year's Eve party uh, movie. I think you're I right. Say. It, it might be. Yeah, and it's taking place in California, right? And there's this comet that's going to come by, right? Mike, you're talking about that. Like yeah. Haley's Haley's Comet came in, in, in 1985. Right. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if this was kind of like people, like the filmmakers were like kind of fearing, like what the hell is this thing? What if it can't, like what is going to happen right. when it comes? Yeah, no, I agree. They were probably trying to freak people out and just sort of get people thinking about it before Haley's Comet came. You know so anyway, I mean? yeah, that this comet's coming and people are celebrating the hell out of this, right? Right. There's a lot of idiots in the streets and <laughs> yeah. not thinking that, hey, maybe we should go hide, you know, and not see this actual thing. Because as we find out, there's scientists that are smarter that sort of hide in a bunker. They know what's going to happen and they're yeah. prepared for it. So luckily, Regina and some of our other cast of characters, right? Her sister Samantha. There's yes. something to do with like metal. If you're in metal, you steal uh, or something. Steal, yes. right? You're yep. protected from this comet. So Regina's kind of making it, making out with her her bow in the uh, in the projection booth, right? The projection room, yes. Samantha's like gotten a fight with her stepmom, so she's hiding in the uh, like in a shed or something like that. And yeah, or a greenhouse or some kind of steel encased thing. Yes. Yes. Um, and then a shed you know, or something. Yes. Yeah, something like that. So anyway, so everybody wakes up from this thing and they come out and uh things are different the sky's red and there's like a whole bunch of like piles of red dirt in the ground like laying yeah, with dust, clothes yeah. it's kind of a freaky image right especially when i was a so kid. good with the sneakers laying there so and simple. dresses because and... i would i would say this this movie didn't have a huge budget you know what i mean so they had kind no. of work with what what they had so just um, tom eberhardt is that the director and writer tom eberhardt uh, that's a good question right? I, I you'd have to look that up i don't yeah even know. i think it is um, so Matt, let's talk about the supporting cast. All right. So Regina's sister, Samantha is like the perfect smart, Alec, lovable teen to add, you know, to the fun running around Los Angeles. Right. And love Samantha. Uh, she's so great in this movie. I love, I love like, uh, there's a really scary scene where she has that like dream sequence. Oh, those nightmares. The, those yeah, nightmare sequences. Nightmare. It's like a double. Oh my God. Kind of remind me of like, like scream four, you know what I mean? It's like a double nightmare, you know, and she's yes. in the radio station. They're hiding out in the radio station. Uh, but right. that those zomb- that zombie cop, right? It's like cop, a zombie cop yes. keeps coming back. So good. But um, I also love the scene where Re- Regina and Sam are having their like girls just want to have fun montage in the mall. In the mall, yes. And that's the same mall from Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Chopping Mall, by the way, Maddie. Uh, yes. If anyone didn't know, which is kind of uh, a fun little tidbit there. Um, 
even though these, these girls, we find out they were trained by their military dad, um, they can like kick some serious ass, right? They're like good with guns and they can fight, you know, which is kind of makes them even even cooler, right? To see a they cheerleader, are cool, man. See a cheerleader shoot like a like a shotgun and like a gun, it's pretty fucking badass, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Samantha kicks ass. Um, Hector's another great character, right? Hector's the guy who's like Hector's a trucker. Hector's cool as hell. Yeah. yeah, he's badass, man. He uh, he's like a great he's a great hero. Even though these girls can kind of take care of themselves, he's sort of like an extra hero here uh, to yep. help take part in their survival. Um, he's like a good dude that fights to help save the girls and uh, keep everyone alive, right? Um, yeah. I love the dead in this movie, Matt. Especially uh, we get introduced to our like black friend who is unapologetic when he slugs Regina's projector uh, Bay Larry in the head with a wrench. That scene is <laughs> he just opens the door and then whack and he just Bam. goes down. Oh, it's fucking freaky. And then obviously, in the alleyway, yeah, yeah. Regina has to to have a little brawl with him later on in the movie, right? A little, yes. little after that. Yep. Uh, Matt. Then we have the scientists, right? The true enemies of our film. Yeah, ironically, yeah. Yeah, our audience might know Dr. Carter as Roy from The Devil's Rejects, but I will always know him as getting slugged by an orangutan in any which way with Clint Eastwood. (laughs) Any which way but loose. Yeah, every which way but loose. Yes, every which way but loose. Yes. That's a great movie. Um, Great movie. But in this film, he's in this film though he's the the real enemy using survivors for their own survival. Right? They're like is he the dude? Is he also? Isn't he also the the um. The guy in, in Salem's Lot that's rocking in the rocking chair? Teacher. Yeah, I think you're right. It is him. I it think is it him. is him. Yeah, that's true. Awesome. Yep. Um, I love I love the scene when, uh, well, just to jump back a little bit, he's like, they're, they're going to like take advantage of these kids, right? What they're going to do is they take the blood from uh, from these other survivors and they're going to use their blood to help them survive these scientists. That's right, yes. Yeah. Which is pretty. You find that out because because up. they're they're slowly dying, right? They're slowly dying. They're becoming these like zombie creatures, right? Correct. They were like slowly infected. Um, so, but I love the scene where he's interrogating Regina. Like she, he has her in the in their like little bunker thing. And she's hard ass, man. She's awesome. <laughs> I got a little a little dialogue to give to you, Matt. He, she is like no patience, right? And there's some awesome dialogue, <laughs> including this. So this is Doctor Carter. Are you pregnant? And Regina says, "No, thought I was once though." <laughs> and then Dr. Carter says, that's not important. And then Regina says, that's what you think. It was the longest three weeks of my life. <laughs> Some great moments with her. She's just so snarky. I love it. You know, she really, dude, I mean, what about the, the, I am legend end of the world. Like think about the Los Angeles shots when there's nothing in it. Yeah, no, it's They're amazing. I, I still don't know how they got those shots. There are a few shots where you do see people, though. If you uh, if you watch some behind the scenes of this movie, they couldn't get everyone out. So there's one scene where there's a wide shot. You see like uh, a guy washing windows <laughs> on a building, like a window washer, and he's clearly there just washing windows. So, I would. I never saw that one. I when and there's I another one. It. I think it's when they show the movie theater when Regina's coming out. There's like somebody like crossing the street or something like that you have to admit though they do a damn good job of presenting like this desolate los angeles yeah and you know how they did that matt you know when they filmed a lot of those scenes i think it was christmas morning so they filmed on a day where there wouldn't be a lot of people out. You know what I mean? They were so there's smart. There's a lot of them. I mean, there's a, there's a more than just see a couple of scenes they could just I pick know. up on a, on a I don't morning. know how they did it, but they did it all on Christmas Day, I think. That's what I that's wow. what I, I heard, which I thought was kind of clever, you know? Um, another character worth mentioning, Matt, is Audrey, who plays um, uh, who's played by Mary Warnoff, Warneroff, or I can't pronounce her name, but she's from uh, Terrorvision, uh, the movie yes. that, that I love so much. You do? Um, 
she's like the saving grace that ends up helping our characters escape, right? She sort of like uh, helps them out because she's feels guilty about what these scientists are going to do. And, and is that the one where the guy shows up and she's in the radio station? And she's already injected herself to die yes. or whatever. Yep. Yes. Yep. Totally. Um, so you know we're left uh, with hope of the future and of civilization being reborn uh, at the end of this movie, Matt. Uh, yeah, they're a family. They're like yeah, a family they're like unit. a family. They have the kids. They rescued the kids, and and then in the end we find out even Samantha gets her man. You know, we get him pulling up in a in a yeah, in yeah a that's right, that dude in the and, sports car or whatever. And we find out he's the guy that was uh, playing the video game. He's DMK because it's oh, on the license that's plate. That's right. Remember? It's on the license plate. Yeah. Yes. What a great payoff. So, Matt, I'll leave you with my number one with this little saying here. Red sky at night, sailor's delight. Red sky at morn, my VHS is so worn. fantastic so that's my number one matt but wait a second yeah i I think uh i think we got room for one more well that's it several panels of overhead fluorescence in the video store go dark you fumble towards the counter desperately cradling your tower of tape recommendations from mikey and maddie it's checkout time but wait this stack of newfound treasures is amazing but it's not yet complete There's always time for one more film. Just one more. But what will it be? So in our room for one more here, we have two films. And Mm -hmm. Mike's going to pick one and throw one on the table. And I'm going to throw one on the table. And only one of these films can go on the shelf. That's true. And what are those films, Mike, that we're we're pitting against each other tonight? I'm going to laugh because last time I completely failed in this and my film was, I like even gave up on my film and I'm like nervous about this one. So do you want me to go first? Yeah, I think you should give up on this one too, honestly, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. My film, what year is this from, Matt? You 84. Me. 84. Okay. This is a straight to video film um, and it's Rocktober Blood. From the depths of hell. He's back from the dead to seek revenge on the living. The rock and roll star he adored. A madman with a message from hell. So, Matt, what is Rocktober Blood? <laughs> you gonna got the clearly... rainbow eyes. <laughs> I'm a killer on the loose. <laughs> All right. Rocktober Blood. What's Rocktober Blood going against, Matt, on the shelf? Rocktober Blood is going against Bob Clark's 1974 film called Death Dream. And it also has a, um, it's also called Dead of Night, it was also known as. Dead of Night. The story of one night in a small town that changed the lives of many and ended the lives of some as night fell. Something evil descended upon the town. Something corrupt. Unspeakable. Behind their drawn curtains they waited as fear walked in the dead of night. Due to the importance of the first five minutes of dead of night, audiences will not be seated after the beginning of the picture. He sandwiched it between 
his um, first film, which was Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things, and mm-hmm. everyone knows Black Christmas is masterpiece. Yes. He actually sandwiched this film in between them. I mean, he was very prolific back then. Uh, almost as like some more of a personal film that he wanted to get out. Right. Uh, and this movie is, I mean, okay, so <laughs> real short synopsis here. A soldier named Andy, in the f- opening shots of the film, you see him. He's killed in Vietnam. He's shot. Right. And, and killed. Uh, and this soldier comes to the house of his parents and his sister and delivers the news of his death to his family. The mom absolutely refuses to believe it. She's in a rocking chair and she's praying and she's doing this. So inexplicably later that night, Andy returns home. He comes home after he, after the family was just told that he was killed in action. Okay. Um, but everything is not what it appears to be, Mike. I don't want to spoil the plot, but Andy is, well, he's different. When he okay. <laughs> the main character, Mike, only has kind of a handful of lines. He doesn't speak a lot in, in the whole film, but his eyes, his expressions, his body language. I mean, he's incredibly expressive. He's really, really good in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. This movie is deep. It has a lot to say about disillusionment, PTSD, like multiple, like who the casualties of war really are. Right. Uh, not just the soldiers, obviously, but the family at, at, on the home front. There's way too much to unpack here, and I'm not going to do that, but it's ultimately about this. Be careful what you wish for. And sometimes even after all that a soldier has sacrificed for you and your country, Mike, what if that soldier looks at you like Andy looks at the doctor and says, I died for you, doc. Why shouldn't you return the favor? Hmm. Hmm. Powerful, powerful stuff. Um, And the best Rocktober blood can muster is, (laughs) what do you want? Blood. Your hot steaming pussy blood all over my face. (laughs) Come on, Matt. Let's talk Rocktober blood for a second. Let's talk Rocktober blood. All right. Come on. God. This this horror movie, let's give the synopsis here. This horror movie begins with rock star Billy I. Losing his sanity, and he kills like his friends, right? At this recording studio. In the recording studio, yeah. Like his bandmates, everybody. He just takes them out, right? Yep, he does. <laughs> so he's and tried. Off screen, off screen yeah. he's apparently put down and electrocuted, and, and right? He's right, found yeah, guilty he's, and, he's found guilty and executed, and then... Because they don't exactly tell you. He leaves the studio, he runs after the security guard, and then suddenly it's a year later and supposedly he's executed, well, so I don't Matt, know the best what the part fuck is, is going on. It says, it says it's two years later on screen, and then the reporter's <laughs> talking, and he goes, it's one year later. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a lot of details that they, uh, they were, followed in this film. So basically, yeah, he and his, this, his female um, backup singer, she basically now has his control of his band. Yes, that's right. And she's right. renamed it something else. It's not, it's not, um, so it's actually the band, <laughs> you're right, it's the band Sorcery in real life. That's the yes. band that, that they're doing, the music is doing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I don't remember the name <laughs> that, that they name, they rename it at the, after after he's, he, Billy dies or whatever, is executed or whatever. I forget, but they're at like some festival called the Rocktober Blood Festival or something. Yes. Right? It's like, it's, you know, it's, the title's right there. Um, so it's like she's being terrified and she keeps seeing Billy back, now, right? Right. Now Even, Billy's come back from the dead and is basically, and now, yes. now she's crazy because no one else sees him, but she does. Right, right. And she's kind of tormented. And then it's sort of, you know, we, we this is definitely, I think this is, I don't know if you agree, you might not be a proponent of this film, Matt, but it's definitely, a, it's a must watch for, for just the goofiness alone and just the, oh, yeah. the I mean, terribleness people, well, people, of this. <laughs> people start dying around her. Um, yes. Like I said, she's seeing Billy and... Mm-hmm. um she sees Billy, but I got to say, the audience doesn't see a fucking thing. It's so goddamn dark. I don't know what is going on for half this film. I know. So, 
I'm going to tell you this. I mean, I will say Death Dream is a film that has so much substance and meaning and artistic merit. And it's just a, it's a, it really, it just stays with you long after the credits roll. Right. I want to say, and it's, I want to say Rocktober Blood is fun, but I, I just, I don't <laughs> see enough of it to know whether it's fun or not. Like yeah. I can't, but yeah, I mean, and, and the end is glorious. It's a really good concert scene at the end. Oh, the end's definitely worth talking about. It's a great, great scene. Where, well, I don't want to talk know, about it too much, but because I, I don't know. want to spoil it. But um, there's a it, lot of back and forth and a lot of, and there is a twist, Matt. As there as is, you know, yeah, a really good. There's a there's a decent twist that you probably see coming from about 800 miles away, right? If you, if you just stop and think about it. But Matt, like we've talked about, it is fun. Killer it's on the fun, loose. I guess talk about the music. The music, the music's is great. really good. You know what I mean? There's some really fun music, and there's there's definitely some fun scenes. You know, he's coming after. He keeps calling her Rainbow Eyes because he wrote that song for her yes it's it's pretty funny um i think a budget this film would have been way better you know what i mean i think this film could have oh yeah uh, without the mistakes and the and the horrible cinematography and the straight to video look but if you're into that straight to video look matt i would argue that some people might choose this film you know to go on the shelf especially in a video store but i don't know and this film i, I think it's funny this Everybody in this Sebastian, like the last name Sebastian family, like worked on this movie. It was like yes. a family endeavor, which it is, is so funny. And it's kind of cool that they that they all kind of, you know, got together and really wanted to make this happen. Yeah. And it's obviously, right. like you said, it's super low. Both of these films are super low budget. Um, Bob Clark's yeah. is a, certainly it's a Canadian um, production and it's definitely low budget. This is like uh, straight in someone's basement in, in some California, you know, straight there's the no basement. basements in California somewhere. This the is acting a crappy, is just abominable. I will give you that. The acting is terrible. So what are we going to do here, Matt? I think. Listen, I if I have know. to tell people to watch a film, I'm telling you to watch Death Dream because you'll really, un, you know, you have to see <laughs> like how good it, like how good of a film it is, even though it's right. not a fun movie and it's yeah. not. It's not a fun movie, but it it will definitely leave an effect on you. It, it will stay with you. Uh, Rocktober Blood, you might you might have some good you'll have some good laughs. You'll you'll, you'll enjoy it because it's right. you know you laugh along with it. The songs are spectacularly cheesy and good. And um, <laughs> so, Mike, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you to to see what you want to do here. I mean, I, I can't I can't in good conscience put Rocktober Blood on the on the shelf here. But if you want to, I'm, I'll go along with it. I think the next episode I have to I have to pick a better movie because this I think I'm 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 oh and two Matt this is not good this you are sabotaging good. yourself I uh, you know I thought I had a good pick here but like rewatching it I was like what did I do <laughs> <laughs> by the way this is Rocktober Blood you can watch on YouTube there's a good version and I think it's somewhere else Matt where is it is it on Epics you said or something or uh, no not Rocktober Blood is it no oh um, Rocktober Blood I think it's just that's a YouTube, on YouTube. special yeah because yeah, that was a straight to that's a straight to video that never came out you can't get that on DVD unless you get I don't think go. so yeah you can get the burnt you can get the VHS copy well I have is, yeah I have yeah. a copy that you have right it's like the it's I like do a have bootleg. it uh, yep. but there like I said if you search on YouTube there's a decent version so it's worth checking and you'll out. have some, Matt, you'll have fun with I mean you could have fun with it it's definitely oh it's fun to make fun of like if you're drinking watching a movie um it's the best movie to have on because you will just be on the floor laughing it's so bad you know but it's like i i call it like bad good you know what i mean it's, it's like a good bad, bad good. yeah yeah but it's um good bad not, or bad good <laughs> death dream you could definitely honestly i'm gonna say you can see it on tubi right now 
All right, Matt. Well, it's let's there. put Death Dream. Let's put Death Dream on the shelf. It's. I'll give it to you again. So my next next episode, Matt, I'm going to pick a better better film for my for my uh, room for one more. Yeah. So that is uh, that is our back from the dead episode, Mike. Yes, that's it. We did it. <laughs> we did another one. So back from the dead, baby. There's a lot more. Obviously, we'd like to hear what you guys uh, have to say. Yeah. What you would have put know. on your uh, on your back to the dead shelf? What, what will go on the sh- on your staff picks list? Yeah, there's definitely some that we probably did not put. There's a million that we didn't put on here, but we'd love to hear from you guys. So let us know. Yeah, sir. Shout out us on uh, on Instagram. Yeah, please do. We're know. on Facebook as well, and we are Twitter too. We're not we're not as active on there, but you know what I just heard about Matt? There's a new uh, there's a new horror community social media uh, app. Wow. Yeah, so we're going to look into that. I okay. just found out about it. Uh, one of our good friends, um, not just horror, um, I forget her first name, but she posted about it, and I checked it checked it out. So I'm going to look cool. into that. If you find yourself alone in the dark, and death is breathing its perpetual exhale into your face, Mike, fear not. There's so many ways to come back from the dead. A zombie apocalypse? Cardiopulmonary resuscitation? A chemical compound and a resurrection machine? A pet cemetery? A loop in which you live your last day over and over and over until... Nah, never mind. Stephen King was wrong anyway. Dead isn't better. As Ace Freely once sang, man, my meter's running. I still got a lot of living to do. So do, so do you. So what the fuck are you waiting for? Go do it. Love you guys. Love you guys. Thanks again. We'll see you soon. Take care.